All right, good morning. Um, so we are continuing our class, our course in discipleship, and this morning we are going to talk about how the spiritual disciplines um, relate to discipleship. So that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Um, and so before we get started, what I'm going to do is I'm going to open us up in a word of prayer, and, uh, and then we'll jump right in. So let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, and we thank you for the opportunity to gather here um, as your people. Lord, we thank you that your word gives us everything we need for life and godliness. And we pray that as we explore this topic this morning, that we would be encouraged to, um, to engage in the spiritual disciplines and our, for our own discipleship um, and for the discipleship of those whom uh, we are discipling. And so we pray that um, you would help us to draw deep truths from your word, that you would encourage us as we um, live out this Christian life and seek to honor and glorify you in all that we do. So we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the spiritual disciplines um, and how that relates to discipleship. I saw Brett walk in. Is he still in here? He is. So Brett actually taught this lesson last time. Did you, are you here on purpose because I'm teaching this? Okay, that's great. Um, so if I miss something, please feel free to speak up. And uh, you don't remember it. That's great. Fantastic. So this is all going to be great and fun and new. So, okay. Um, yeah, so what we're going to be doing today is we're going to talk about the spiritual disciplines, how that relates to, uh, to, relates to discipleship. Um, and, you know, there, there's, the, there are these practices that we can participate in and we can, we can leverage to grow and to help others to grow as well. Um, and there's a, a passage I wanted us to, to start with as we, as we start out on this, um, this conversation, um, and that's from Philippians 2, 12 through 13. I'm just going to read that for us. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And so, you know, this, this Christian life, as, as we're working out our own salvation with fear and trembling, as we are growing in the Lord, there are certainly some things that we have to do, right? Like we have to put some effort out there, um, but we don't do it alone. And, and the Lord is with us. It is God who is at work in us both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And so we're not left to do that on our own. But as we talk about these spiritual disciplines and we relate that to discipleship, I hope you'll see that these are the tools that the Lord gives us, the ways that he's working in us uh, to work and to will for his good pleasure. And so uh, the main idea for us this morning as we, as we talk about these things is that the spiritual disciplines are vital for our own discipleship and that of those whom we are discipling. Again, the spiritual disciplines are vital for our own discipleship and that of those whom we are discipling. And so let's, let's talk a little bit about the spiritual disciplines. Who, who has an idea of what that means? When we talk about spiritual disciplines, what are we talking about? What are some, what are some things that you've heard? Habits. Habits, okay. Um, anything more specifically? The spiritual habits. Spiritual habits. <laughs> we're, we're getting closer, I promise. Yeah. Um, any particular disciplines? Prayer. Prayer. Who said that? There we go. We got prayer. Thank you, Laura. Prayer. That's one we're going to cover this morning. What, what's another one that you've heard? Bible reading. Bible reading. Yep. So we're going to talk about Bible intake. We're going to talk about that. Anything else? Meditation. Meditation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meditating on, on God's Word. 
Uh, anything else come to mind? You can feel free to cheat and look at your, yeah. your handout. That's okay. Uh, uh, fellowship. Fellowship. Being, being, getting together, gathering. Yeah, so we're going to talk all about these things. There are a lot of spiritual disciplines that we could cover. Um, and so just want to give a few admin notes before we jump in, before we define the spiritual disciplines and just begin looking at some of them this morning. First, we're not going to cover all of them. Um, Don Whitney wrote a great book called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. I meant to bring a copy of that with me this morning and I completely forgot. Um, but it's a great book and you find it wherever books are sold. Highly encourage you to uh, to take a look at that if you haven't already. Um, on, on that note as well, we did teach an entire course on the spiritual disciplines recently, um, and those resources are available to you on the DRBC website. So again, we're not going to cover everything um, this morning or all of them, um, but for the sake of time, we'll cover a few of, of the more pertinent ones as we talk about uh, discipleship. Second, um, I, we'd be greatly helped to hear from you. So as we talk about these things, I want to hear from you all, like what has been helpful to you in discipleship? Um, what, how have you seen these spiritual disciplines aid your own growth or as you're helping others to grow? And, and what we'll do is we'll incorporate that in future iterations of this lesson. So um, please, please um, let me hear what y'all, what y'all got to say. Um, and then again, so there, there's a whole course that we taught in the spiritual disciplines encourage you to take a look at that. But even some of the things we're going to talk about this morning, we have additional things that we've talked about or had courses on that are available on the DRBC website that I'll point you to um, to give you more, um, yeah, more information about those. And then, like I said, we're going to cover these from the perspective of how they relate to your own discipleship as well as how they relate to your discipleship of others. Um, so let's define what the spiritual disciplines are. If I could have a volunteer to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and read verses 7 and 8 for me. So it'd be kind of like a race. Oh, Mike's already won. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Amen. So we see the Apostle Paul here is encouraging his disciple Timothy, as he's writing to him, to, to avoid one thing, to avoid silly myths and devoting time to um, that kind of thing, irreverent silly myths, um, but to do something else, and that's to train yourself for godliness. Um, the, uh, the New American Standard Bible would translate that to discipline yourself for the um, yeah for godliness and so there's this understanding that we are to be engaging in these practices that help us to grow in godliness and help us to grow in maturity and in our walk with the lord so if we if we were to define the spiritual disciplines i'll, I'll just quote from don whitney's book um, he says the spiritual disciplines are scriptural ways that christians discipline themselves to promote spiritual growth so i'll say that again Spiritual disciplines are scriptural ways that Christians discipline themselves to promote spiritual growth. So in other words, they're like, like spiritual exercises. Like if there was a spiritual workout that you could do, that's what this would be. So a, a good example of this, um, if you were a basketball player and you wanted to get better at ball handling and, and dribbling and things, you might do some different 
Um, dribbling exercises, hand transitions. I don't know if you're a basketball player, you probably know this better than I do, but if you wanted to get better at that aspect of your sport, you're gonna put some time in and do some drills and you're gonna, you're gonna grow and get better in that particular area. And the spiritual disciplines are similar in that respect and that they are those practices that we engage in that support growth and maturity and growing in holiness. Um, and so what, what is their relationship to discipleship? So how do they relate? Um, so if, the, if discipleship is the process by which we grow in maturity, then there's got to be some way that we can cause that growth. Um, you know, Christians don't simply come to the Lord in faith and then just sit around like a bump on a log and expect the Lord to just kind of grant all this, this growth. There is there's that aspect that we are participating in our own sanctification. Looking back again at Philippians 2, you know, we're called to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We don't do it alone. The Lord works in us for that. And so it's clear that there is some work to be done on our part in order for us to grow. Um, Don Whitney shared an example in his book um, and he, uh, yeah, from Luke chapter 19. Um, won't read that, but I'll just kind of paraphrase that for us. So it's the story of Zacchaeus. How many of you heard the story of Zacchaeus? How many of you have sang the song in Sunday school? Okay, there you go. So you guys, you guys know that story. So um, Jesus was passing through Zacchaeus' area, and Zacchaeus had heard about Jesus, and he wanted to see Jesus. What was the problem with Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was what? He was short. There's nothing wrong with that, guys. I just want to point that out. There's nothing wrong with being short. Okay. Um, but he couldn't see him, right? There was a crowd. And so he wanted to make sure that he could see Jesus. So he climbed up in a sycamore tree, as the song in the scriptures uh, attest to, um, so that he could see Jesus. And he was able to see him. And Jesus called him down and says, hey, he has come down. And they got together. They had, they had a meal together. And, and through their interactions, Zacchaeus was convicted of his sin. He was transformed by that encounter such that he promised that all the money that he had stolen from people, that he was going to pay it back. But not only just pay it back, he was going to pay it back four times what he took, right? And so as we think about that story, what we see there is that Zacchaeus physically placed himself in the path of Jesus. He placed himself in his path in order to meet him in order to experience what an encounter with Jesus would be like. And so the spiritual disciplines are very similar. It's, it's those practices that we engage in that place us in the path of God's grace so that we might experience that grace and be able to grow. And so that being said, we're going to take a look at a few of the spiritual disciplines. Um, I have them listed out there. So what we're going to look at, we're going to look at Bible intake. We're going to look at prayer, the gathering together of the saints. Uh, we're going to look at evangelism and discipleship. Uh, we'll take a look at stewardship and finances. Um, and then lastly, we'll touch on fasting. So those are the, the, the spiritual disciplines that we're going to cover this morning. Again, that's not all of them. There are, there are others. Um, but yeah, that's what we're going to cover. So we'll probably spend the most of our time on Bible intake. Um, and, and it is my sincere hope that we're going to plow through all of these and, and get to cover all of them. So Bible intake. First of all, for the Christian, Bible intake is the most foundational spiritual discipline that we can engage in, right? The Bible is God's revelation of himself to us. It's the means by which we get to know God. Uh, we get to learn his plan of salvation and the promises that he's made to his children. 
It's also the way that we learn what's expected of us as Christians and what God's standard of holiness is. Um, And as our, our statement of faith describes, it is the supreme standard and final authority by which all matters of life and doctrine are to be tested. Um, and so I want us to turn to, um, to a passage in, in Ezra, Ezra chapter 7. Um, and we're going to use this as kind of, a, kind of an anchor point for us as we talk about the spiritual discipline. So if someone could turn to Ezra chapter 7, verse 10. Just read that one verse. Verse 10. First one to get there, go for it. Amen. So Ezra set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. Um, so just a bit of context. If you've never read that passage, never spent time in Ezra, Ezra was a scribe um, and he lived during the time of Israel's exile to Babylon. And at, at one point, the exiles were allowed to go back to Jerusalem to begin rebuilding the, the wall around Jerusalem, rebuild the temple. Um, and Ezra went with them. And so one of his, his jobs was to help teach the nation of Israel what God's word had to say. And so it says here that, that as he began that process, he set his heart to study the law of the Lord. So first of all, um, who, who stands to benefit in, in that first? As, as Ezra reads the law, who is he reading it for? Who said that? Himself. I heard that somewhere. There we go. So he said to read it for himself, right? He studied the law of the Lord. Um, and then what did that prompt him to do? So he, see, so he just read it and he studied it. And did he just kind of stop there? Or did, is there something else he did? What did he do? He began to do it, right? So not only did he read it, but he read things in there that required him to act. He had to do something. It called him to action. And so he did it. And then he began to teach his statutes, God's statutes, and rules in Israel. And so as we see that, that that's, a, that's a pattern, I believe, that we are to follow. So as we think about Bible intake, Bible intake is one of those practices that we need to engage in so that we are engaging with God's Word, we're exposing ourselves to His truth so that it transforms us, that we begin to do that, and then we teach that to others also as we, as we consider how this relates to discipleship. Um, why is this important? So I think it's, it's an interesting question to ask in, in a church, but why is God's word important? 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17 tells us this. He says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and tr- for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so as we see that God's word is, is effective and helpful for us, uh, to, to teach us, to, to reprove us, to correct us, and to train us in righteousness. Why? So that we may be equipped for every good work and lacking nothing. Um, and so there's a, there's a number of different ways that we can look at Bible intake, and I'm going to use Don Whitney's example. So he starts more broad and then more, it goes more specific. So um, first, we, we can hear God's word. There's a number of ways that we can do that primarily of which we, we come and we hear God's word taught and preached on Sunday mornings in a gathering. We can read it for ourselves. We can study it, right? So as we think about we're hearing it, we're reading it for ourselves, maybe we're studying, going a little bit deeper on something. Um, memorizing, 
and then meditating on God's word. And so each of these serves a purpose in helping us to grow as Christians. Um, just a few examples. Uh, obviously, so hearing from uh, a preacher every Sunday, uh, a faithful gospel preaching preacher who preached the word to us um, is helpful. We get to get a big picture of, of what's going on. We're exposed to the whole counsel of God's word. Uh, reading it on our own helps us to become more familiar with the characters of scripture and God's character himself. Um, and then when we apply ourselves to study the word, we begin to mine the depths of doctrine and we're challenged all the more uh, as the word does its work to conform us to the image of Christ. And as we think about memorization, so memorization serves to build a storehouse of God's word in your own heart um, so that it's there and ready when, when troubles come. I had a conversation with a pastor years ago who had to have, um, had to have back surgery. And he was, he was laid up for several months after this back surgery. Like, he literally couldn't move. He was just laying there. Um, and he couldn't reach over, couldn't grab his Bible, couldn't read it. Um, and he said that the, the scripture that he had memorized was such a help to him, that he was able to recite that scripture to himself when he wasn't able to actually read from his own copy of God's Word. So memorization is, is extremely helpful. Um, Psalm 119.11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So as we think about committing God's word to memory, there's a purpose for that, right? It helps us to uh, fight temptation and uh, guard us against sin. And then lastly, meditating on God's word helps us to consider scripture with more of a laser focus in order that we might be further transformed as we consider scripture's truth and God's promises. Um, so surely you can see how these practices have a, a preeminent place in the life of the believer. Uh, so how can we leverage them in our discipleship? So I have a few examples here, and so I'll share those. Um, and then I'd like to hear from you. So if there's something that stands out that maybe I didn't mention, I'd love to hear how maybe you've used this in your own discipleship. So um, one, we can prioritize the gathering together on the Lord's Day to hear from God's Word. Um, you know, we're, we're going to talk about that here in just a minute, but... Even, even back in, in, during the time when the New Testament was being written, it was a challenge for people to prioritize the gathering together on the Lord's Day. Um, modern times don't make that any easier, right? So that's something that we can do is we can prioritize that getting together um, on the Lord's Day to hear from God's Word. Um, we could begin a regular Bible reading plan. Just a show of hands, how many of you are, are in a Bible reading plan right now? Keep your hand up if you're on schedule. It's okay. No, you don't have to do that. Like the goal, though, like I'm off schedule, just to, just to be just to be clear. Um, but by having a regular Bible reading plan, right? Not just opening God's Word and doing Bible roulette. Like, all right, I'm just gonna flip it open, and you know, wherever the Spirit opens the Word, that's where I'm gonna go. And like that, that could be helpful, right? But you know, using using a plan can be, I would argue, more helpful. Um, you could start a study on a particular book of the Bible, or better yet, join others. Um, for a deeper study of Scripture. And then you can memorize passages of Scripture. How many of you guys have, have done Bible memorization before? Okay, awesome. So helpful, absolutely helpful. So you can memorize something, whether it's short or long. Um, I, there was a period of time I know my wife and I we were um, trying to memorize whole chapters of the Bible. Um, that can be great. You can memorize big chunks of Scripture. You can memorize whole books of the Bible. Has anybody ever memorized the whole book of the Bible? Philemon does not count. I'm just kidding. No, it's good. Okay, raise, raise it high. There we go. We got a couple. Whole book of the Bible. Come on, y'all. Um, awesome. 
So it's not only helpful in our own discipleship, right, but it's helpful and should be a part of how we disciple others. So here's a few ways um, that we might uh, use Bible intake in discipling others. Um, You can ask questions about what Bible intake looks like in the person's life. So as you're meeting with people, ask them that question. Are you regularly spending time with God, with God in his word? Um, what, what kinds of um, issues have come up? If, if they are, great. If not, why not? Why are you not spending time in God's word? What are some things that you can help them overcome? Maybe, maybe there's a particular challenge or obstacle you can, you can um, help out with. Um, that reading plan I mentioned, maybe you could do a reading plan with somebody, right? And talk about what you guys are reading. Um, you could study a book of the Bible together. You could memorize scripture together and recite it to, you, to one another as you make progress. Um, and then you could talk about passages you've been meditating on and how the Lord's been revealing things to you and, and ask the same question, like, what have you been meditating on? What's been sweet as you've in- encountered the Lord and his word? Um, so those are just a, a few ways that, that, um, that I thought were helpful. What are some other ways that, that you found Bible intake to be helpful in your own growth or as you've been discipling others? Yes, sir. I would just say, I, maybe we didn't cover this, but I was really helped one time when I was like trying to think through a particular passage, and um, like Zach Maley was just like, hey, I've got a resource that might be helpful for you. Okay. So, and then, yeah, offering like additional, I don't know, commentary or, yeah. or like helpful advice to think through some passage of scripture is also a way that I've experienced people doing this. Awesome. Yeah. So, having someone to, to kind of talk to you about where else can I go to get more information on these things and sharing resources with one another. That's a good one. Um, anything else? Yes. Just learning how to study. I think, like, I didn't, it wasn't until probably about 10 years ago, and I was a Christian. Mm-hmm. I still didn't really know how to study the Bible, so I would read it, and I'd be like, okay, oh, I read it. Um, so just kind of, it's embarrassing as a Christian to reach out to someone and be like, I actually don't know how to study the Bible. The Bible, can you help me? Yeah. But it, it's transformative. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really good. So, so just having someone to help show you how to study the Bible. And, and uh, I, I mean, maybe that's true for some of you all. You're sitting here, you're like, I would love to be able to study the Bible better. I really don't know how. And like, super embarrassing for me to ask. One of the things I just want to throw out there is that that is why we gather together as the church. That's why we have one another. Like, there is zero shame in, in reaching out to somebody and saying, hey, listen, I see how you study the Word. I hear the kinds of things you're talking about. Like, I want to get there, too. How, how do I do that? Right, so if, if, we're, if we're, like, we're all just kind of hanging out over here, like, afraid to ask, you're just not going to grow. But I, I, that's awesome that you, that you did that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I would just say, too, like, if, if you're stuck, you don't know where to begin, um, you can ask the elders. Uh, they're, they're happy to point you in good directions. If there are people you meet with regularly, you know, maybe you've, you, your guys' lives are kind of overlapping in different areas, just ask, hey, what are you doing? What's, what's been good for you? And, and, and so on and so forth. So good. Thanks for sharing that. Um, we're going to keep going. Um, let's look at prayer. Uh, so prayer is the next one. Um, so prayer um, is the means by which we speak to the Lord and make petitions, give thanks and praise. And as the writer of Hebrews describes, um, it's how we, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 
Um, but prayer is not something that just comes naturally. So more to, to, to Laura's point, right? So studying the word is not something we just like, now I'm a Christian, boom, I know how to study God's word. Like, that's not true. Um, prayer is also not something that just comes naturally. We need to learn how to pray. So how can we learn how to pray? Um, well, we just talked about Bible intake. So I would say, let's look at what God's word has to say about prayer. Um, so we can, um, we look to scripture and there's so many examples of prayer in scripture, but we'll, we'll take a peek at just, uh, just a few. Uh, so first and probably the most famous, um, is Jesus lesson on how to pray in Matthew chapter six. Um, so if someone could turn to Matthew six, nine through 13 and read that for us, I promise many of you will find this very familiar. Many of you could probably recite this from memory, but whoever gets there first, go ahead and read Matthew 6, uh, 9 through 13. Yeah, so often called the Lord's Prayer, we, we see here um, a, a beautiful picture of how to pray. Now, we could probably spend this entire lesson or several lessons just looking at this prayer alone. But just a couple of things I wanted to point out is that Jesus gives us a framework for engaging God in prayer with praise, adoration, supplication, or, or making requests, and confession, um, and with the trust that the Lord will hear and answer according to his goodwill. And so if we're curious, like, how should we pray? How do we engage God? This is a, this, this right here would be a good pattern. Um, just a quick note, this is not meant to be a, a rote prayer that you pray exactly like this, like it's the only thing that you pray, um, but it's meant to be a pattern. And so um, it's, a, it's a helpful one there as well. Um, Another example we could look at is all of John 17, often referred to as the high priestly prayer. Um, so John 17 is, a, is also a good example of prayer in scripture. Um, Psalm 77 is a great place to go to learn how to lament, okay? Uh, so we can learn how to turn to God, issue our complaint, ask for his help, and then trust him to act according to his good will. Psalm 77, I encourage you all to, to read that. So all these are, are listed on your handout. Uh, we're not going to read through all of these today, but I encourage you to spend some time in God's word reading through these, especially these prayers. Um, they're very, very helpful. One of the things that I've often found is that um, the Psalms help us to see that like, we can be honest before God, right? When, when things are hard, uh, when, when things are, are joyful, when, when, you know, whatever it is, we can go before the Lord and, we, and, and he, he will hear us. So the Psalms are often helpful in that regard. Um, Luke 18, verses 10 through 14 um, is, a, is a great example of a, a contrast that, that Jesus paints between a Pharisee and a tax collector. Um, and then Jesus' commentary is extremely helpful for us as we think about how we ought to pray. So I'll, I'll read that real quick. Um, Luke 18, 10 through 14. Uh, two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. 
I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts, who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. What a beautiful, beautiful picture of what it means to go before the Lord honestly, confessing your sin and understanding who you are before God and trusting the Lord to give you mercy. Um, so we could go on with, with tons of other examples, but I, I trust we see the importance of letting Scripture teach us how to pray. We also have the church to help us. And so uh, just a few examples. Um, you know, when we gather uh, on Sunday morning for our worship service, we always open the service with prayer, asking for the Lord to help us to remove distractions, to help us to see more of Him, to understand His Word. Um, and so that is a, a great example uh, of, of how to pray. Um, the pastoral prayer um, in every service, it gives us a healthy pattern for how to intercede on behalf of others, how to ask the Lord for uh, His grace to save people, to stay the hand of evil, to strengthen His people and build up His church. Um, these are all examples that teach us how to approach the throne of grace. And so, um, you know, just it's important for us to, to recognize that prayer is one of those things that's really easy to get sidelined in the Christian life, right? It's really easy for us to get busy, um, to feel like things are going well, maybe we don't need to pray. Um, but prayer is, is absolutely essential. We see prayer throughout Scripture. Um, Jesus himself prayed. So if Jesus prayed, we should pray. Um, so maybe, maybe you're, you're coming to this this morning and you're like, yeah, that's me. My prayer life is, I don't know, non-existent or it's in shambles. Maybe I don't pray like I ought. Um, what can you do? So first thing is start small and be honest. Um, just spend time with the Lord uh, on a regular basis, whenever that might look like. Maybe that's First thing in the morning is you wake up um, and ask the Lord to strengthen you for a tough agenda that's ahead of you or to thank him for the new mercies that you experience each morning. Thank him for the life that he's given you. Um, it doesn't have to be big. Like, just like, um, yeah, just like we heard this just a little bit ago, you know, we don't need to give a ton of big words. We don't need to have like a, a super vast vocabulary. God just wants to hear from us. And so start, start small uh, and be honest with the Lord. Um, you could confess your prayerlessness to a close friend and ask them to regularly encourage you, um, which I don't know if that sounds like discipleship to you, but I think that sounds like discipleship. Um, you could also pray scripture. If you don't know what to pray, um, you could pray the scripture. So again, I'll, I'll make reference to another one of Don Whitney's books, um, Praying the Bible. Um, really helpful resource on how to take a passage of scripture read it and pray in light of that scripture. So um, I, a good example of that would be, let's say Psalm 23. Most of us have read and, and have heard Psalm 23. Um, the way that that Psalm begins, uh, verse one, the very first part of verse one says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So uh, a response, a prayer uh, in response to that might look like, Lord, thank you for shepherding me through life. Uh, you've been faithful to me. And as I look around, I see how you've provided for all of my needs and I lack nothing. Um, that would be a great way to engage with God in prayer, um, leaning on the scriptures that he has given to us um, in his word. So the important thing is to just start. 
Um, trust the Lord to guide you as you engage with him. And then guiding others into a more prayerful Christian life can also be a catalyst for your own prayer life. I don't know if you've ever noticed that um, in discipling relationships as you engage with people. That helps to, to spur you on as well. So here's a couple of ways that, um, that we might help others um, in, in growing in, in prayer. So again, just ask, by, ask how their prayer life is going. So as you meet with people, just ask them, like, what is that like for you? How often do you pray? Are you able to? Um, are there things that, that are getting in the way of that? What are those? How can I help you? Um, you could pray together. So when you get together, model healthy prayer. Ask them to pray. Maybe you could open your time in prayer and then ask them to close their, the time in prayer or vice versa or whatever that might look like. Um, and then you could also study some of the prayers of the Bible together to strengthen uh, both of your understanding of prayer. So there's just a few ways that um, I think we can use that in discipling relationships. Uh, I'd love to hear from you all. How has there any, been anything that's been helpful as you've um, been discipled or have been discipling others as it relates to prayer? Thanks, Sam. That's great. So if, if you didn't hear that, he's talking about reading with a group of people through a book on um, Paul's prayers in the Bible, um, being very helpful in, 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 being, in teaching. So great, great resource, great, great example. Dennis? So writing down prayers and then revisiting them as the Lord has, has answered those prayers, or, or maybe he hasn't, and it encourages you to, to pray that prayer all the more. Um, great examples. Um, one, of the, one of the spiritual disciplines that we're not going to talk about this morning that I know Don Whitney talks about in his book is journaling, right? And so I think that would be a great example of how to journal, um, writing down your prayers. That's, that's helpful. Um, okay, uh, we're going to keep moving along. Um, the third uh, spiritual discipline we're going to talk about is gathering, right? So Bible intake and prayer, those sound like pretty logical spiritual disciplines, but gathering together is also a discipline and is equally vital to our growth as Christians. Um, you know, the truth is, this is something we all need to be discipled in. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure that everyone in this room would agree that just getting here on Sunday morning, sometimes, sometimes it feels like work, right? It's, it takes a little effort to, to get here. Um, traffic's not nearly as bad on Sunday mornings, which I have, that's, I have mixed feelings about that. I kind of wish it were because everybody's trying to come to church. That'd be great. But there are a number of things that can get in the way of our getting here to gather together. Um, and so we need help in that. Um, so how does the gathering together support our discipleship? Um, so let's turn to, to Hebrews 10. If I can have a volunteer to read Hebrews 10 verses 24 and 25. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not to meet together. 
Amen. Yeah, so this passage in Hebrews is probably the clearest passage that, that gives instruction on the importance of gathering together on a regular basis. And so one of the first things I want us to, to recognize here is that we are commanded to gather, right? So scripture being God's word, we just read that earlier in, out of 2 Timothy 3, um, commands us to, to gather together. And so by doing so, we exercise obedience to the Lord's commands. Um, so we honor him in that way. Um, but I hope you notice uh, that there's a purpose in the gathering, right? So it's not just so that we can check off a box. Um, we used to tell our kids um, when they were younger, and, and I've said this to other people, like when we get to heaven, there's not, like a, there's not like a chart in heaven with like gold stars on it, right? For like things that you did or um, like if you came to church, Every Sunday, like you're not going to get the perfect attendance award when you stand before the Lord on that day. Um, but there is a very real benefit to our being gathered together. Um, and there's a purpose. So the, one of those is to stir one another up to love and good works. It's really hard to stir people up to have those one another kinds of relationships if you're not actually getting together. And so it's important that we are meeting together to stir one another up to love and good works. And then also to encourage one another all the more as we see the day drawing near. The reality is that when we woke up this morning, Jesus' return is one day closer. Every day that we live, we are living one day closer to Jesus' return. And whether we're alive when he returns or whether we meet him as we die, we are getting closer to seeing Jesus. And so we need to be encouraged by one another all the more as that day draws near. And so when we gather together, we are encouraged, we're equipped, we get to praise and worship and learn from his word. Um, and we are motivated to continue striving for the kingdom and the strength that the Lord provides. And so we're also, we're commanded to come regularly, but we should also come well and we should come prepared. So what does that look like? Um, so the source of wisdom and truth is God's word. So we should come prepared with Bibles, ready to follow along as the word is taught. Um, one of the things that I, that I tell my kids a lot is you should have your Bible open whenever somebody is teaching from the Bible to make sure that what they are teaching is actually true. Um, that they're not kind of running off the rails and deciding that they want to tell you all kinds of other things that the Bible does not teach you. Um, that's important. So we should come ready. We should open our words and, and follow along. Um, we could consider taking notes. So whether that's jotting things down in the margin of your Bible, underlining things, highlighting stuff. Maybe you've got a notebook that you keep notes in. Um, that could be a very helpful thing for your, your growth is to write these things down. Uh, things that stand out to you or anything the Lord is teaching you uh, as you hear the word preached. You could even take notes digitally. Um, so if that's your thing, you can, you can take notes on uh, you know these things here and um, you know, phones and whatnot. Um, I, I just will, I'll share one note. This is totally not part of the lesson, but I'm going to give this to you for free. Um, if you are going to engage in God's word regularly, my encouragement to you would be to get a physical Bible. Now, it's not sin to do things digitally, but in this particular era of history, like our digital lives are often very connected to a lot of other things. And so it can be a huge distraction as we read. I, I spent a, a season of my life trying to do that all digitally. And one of the things that I always found really irritating is every time a little notification popped up, it was literally drawing me away from something else. 
or even if a notification didn't pop up, I knew there were things on my phone, iPad, computer, whatever it is, that like if I wanted to go like take a break, like oh, reading this passage is really hard, I'm gonna go surf the internet now. Like that is the most, that's the most knuckleheaded thing to do when you're trying to study the word, right? Um, at the very least, if you're gonna engage digitally, turn your notifications off. I'd encourage you to do that. Um, but um, I'm a huge fan of a, of a real printed, bound Bible. I'm happy to share more information about that with you later. Um, but however you do, um, follow along. Come prepared when you come to church on Sunday, when you gather on the Lord's Day. Um, and so as it relates to discipling relationships, consider how the author of Hebrews begins his admonition. He says, let us Right? He's writing to a church family and reminding them that we are responsible for one another. If you're a member of this church, um, you agree to a church covenant. You are a covenant member with one another. And we, there's this idea that there's a responsibility that we have to one another for one another. Um, and so it is um, yeah, it's something that we do together. Uh, we ought to be encouraging one another, stirring one another up. Um, if you notice someone missing from the gathering on a given Sunday, reach out and let them know that you missed them. Um, I know, like, hearing that, even as I said that, it can kind of come across like you're, you know, you're the attendance police, but that's just not true. I mean, there have been people who I reached out to before, like, oh, hey, I missed I miss you on Sunday. They really appreciated that. They're like, oh, my gosh, you noticed that I wasn't there? Okay. Um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for reaching out. Um, you can ask them, like, what's going on? Is there anything I'd be praying for? It might help you maybe learn some things that, that might be going on. It could be totally something like, I was away on business, but thank you for thinking of me. I'm, I'm glad that my church family is, is, is thinking of me. So that's a, that's a huge encouragement to people when you reach out if you've missed them. Um, maybe you're meeting up with somebody who regularly struggles to make it to worship each week. Well, one of the things you could do, you could ask them if they want to join you. Like you could drive together, sit together in church. Uh, maybe grab lunch afterward and talk about what you've been learning. Talk about the sermon. Um, yeah, one of, the, one of the things that's been really helpful in my life is being able to talk about what you heard. So as you, if you're sitting there receiving uh, the preaching, it could be really easy to just kind of like walk out and like forget that you just heard all of that. Or maybe you've got some questions you want to talk about with people. But if you don't ever do that, like that, that may not actually help you in your growth. Um, one of the other things that I've learned is that when you talk about uh, a message with someone else, they often share things that they learned that maybe you didn't see, right? And so that's, I guess, a wonderful way that we can help one another to grow because there's are just things that, um, that we're not going to pick up on that others are going to pick up on um, and, and can, can be a huge help to us. Um, yeah, so the, the goal here is to stir up one another to love and good works as we gather together and to continually encourage them as the day of the Lord's return draws nigh each day. Are there any, any other things that anyone would mention? Any questions on the gathering? Any, uh, any encouragements? All right. We will keep moving. Um, the next spiritual discipline that we're going to talk about is evangelism and discipleship. Um, so evangelism and discipleship are, are other areas of spiritual discipline that are helpful for discipleship. As funny as that might sound, right? Discipleship is helpful for discipleship. Um, it's true. Um, the truth is evangelism and discipleship are, are kind of circular. If you think about this, um, we're going we're gonna to look at this here in just a second. Um, uh, Matthew 28, 
often referred to as the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Uh, we are commissioned to go and to make disciples. And so, like the first way that you go to make disciples is really to proclaim the gospel, right? And then as people turn from their sin, trusting in Christ, um, they become part of the family of God. Well, their journey doesn't stop there. That's like the beginning. And so there's this element of discipleship that needs to take place. And as we are discipling others, we should be teaching them that they too are to take that same hope to those who don't have it. And so as you can see, it kind of just goes round and round. Um, and so this is, a, this is a practice that we should, uh, we should be engaging in. So the question is, would you say that those disciplines are priorities for you? Um, are you praying for gospel opportunities? Um, those questions are not meant to shame anyone, but really just to encourage a sober reflection on, on your own life. Um, if, if the hope you have in Christ is truly hopeful, are you sharing that with others? Do you desire to do that? Are you praying for those opportunities? One of the things I often pray for is, Lord, give me these opportunities, but then also give me the courage to act on them, right? I'm sure if we were to go around the room, we'd probably share plenty of stories of people who are like, I had this opportunity, ah, and I just didn't do it. Um, maybe you were, I don't know, could any number of situations. You're at work, you don't want to get fired. Um, you're you know, at the checkout line, and you're like, ah, I'm never going to see this person again. Um, but do you pray for those opportunities? Do you pray for the Lord to give you courage uh, to do that? Um, so perhaps sharing the gospel seems daunting to you, or, or maybe you're not sure where to begin. Um, so again, first I'd say pray for, pray for opportunities to share the gospel. The reality is that our God is sovereign, um, and we live where we live among the people we live with for a sovereign purpose. So God did not place you where you were on accident. Right? There is a purpose. Are there people in your lives that you see regularly? Um, maybe that's a neighbor, right? It could be a colleague at work or, or a fellow student at school. Um, maybe, maybe you stop at the same coffee shop every day on your way to work and you see the same person behind the counter. Um, might be a good opportunity for you to, to, to begin a conversation. Um, I, uh, I asked Nick, uh, Nick Na, I'm gonna pull this up real quick. Um, Nick, uh, if you know Nick, um, is a fantastic evangelist, um, and so he shared a um, he shared a message at our, our, our youth gathering once last year. I mean, the youth in here remember seeing Nick come share. One of you remember two. Okay, good. That's awesome. Um, but what he did is he shared five questions that he asks. Um, to begin a, like an evangelistic conversation. Um, and so they're, they're really simple. Like this is like, this is cookies on the lower shelf, guys. This is important. Um, first thing he asks, what did you do this weekend? Have you ever met, have you ever run into somebody and you're like, oh, what do I ask? I ask oh, hey, what'd you do this weekend? Um, that's a pretty common question. I ask that question all the time at work. Um, and so usually what will happen is they'll, they'll tell you what happened this weekend. And then what's the, what's the next thing that they say? They ask you, right? Like, how was your weekend? Well, if you gathered together, um, you could talk about, you know, that, what, that you went to church. But not just that you went to church, but what did you learn? You're like, oh, yeah, we, um, I was at church this weekend. We're going through a series on 
um, songs and stories, looking at different songs in, in the Bible. Um, and you can talk about that. And then you can respond with, so do you have a faith background? So you've already, you already let the cat out of the bag, you went to church. So you can talk about things of faith. Um, so you can ask them, do you have a faith background? Um, and then just kind of hear, 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 their, hear their conversation. And then from there, you can ask, where are you now with your faith? Um, have them explain where they are. And then you could talk about, hey, have you ever read the Bible before? Maybe that's a foreign thing to them. Maybe, maybe that's not anything that they grew up learning. Maybe they're completely uh, unfamiliar with the Bible. Um, and then you could always ask them, would you be interested in reading the Bible with me? Now, they may not receive all of this like, and, and want to just read the Bible with you, but you never know. But it's a really easy way to start those kinds of conversations. Um, and as it relates to discipling others, you know, you can share those kinds of things with the people you're discipling. You could invite someone along with you as, as you go to share the gospel. Um, and you can also offer to be with somebody as they share the gospel with somebody that they've been praying about. Um, you can even ask them, hey, are there people in your life that you are actively praying about that don't know the Lord that you would love to see come to know the Lord? Those are, those are things that you can definitely, definitely do. Um, we are, we are probably not going to get through all of these things, um, but I, I did want to touch on um, stewardship and finances, um, so real quick. Um, this is one of those areas that can be really difficult to talk about in discipling relationships. Um, I mean, sometimes folks are embarrassed about what they make, whether they make too little or they make a lot. Um, some people are embarrassed to talk about where they spend their money um, for fear that someone's going to judge them. You know, uh, if I open up my bank statement and you just see Amazon, 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 right? Um, I'm sure that's true for a lot of people, right? Um, maybe that's something you're fearful of. But the reality is, is that we need help in stewarding our finances. The reality is the money that we have is not, it's not just ours. Like everything belongs to the Lord anyway. And what he's done is he's given it to us to steward for his glory and the good of others. And so some questions that you might ask as you're, you're engaging with others in discipleship is, what does your giving look like? Do you, do you give to the church? Um, invite accountability in that as well. And so I just want to be very clear. It's, it's really easy to stand up here in the front and say you should be giving money to the church. And that can sound like, I know people have different backgrounds. They've come from different experiences where that, that's something that was lorded over them by, by leaders in, in churches before. What I'm simply trying to say is that the, the scriptures do command us to give uh, cheerfully. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And the reality is, is when we give, we're contributing to the work of the ministry. Um, so one of the things that I think we do pretty well here at Delray is that we're very open and honest about where the money goes. So as our church is receiving gifts, you know, we, we talk about that very regularly. Every members meeting we talk about it. The budget is presented every year for vote. Like, we know where every bit of money is going. But the reality is, like, if you look at that, so much of it's going to supporting actual gospel work, whether that's paying for the staff that are supporting us and, and teaching and preaching and putting all of these things together. It's supporting the building that we have so that we can meet, um, so that the lights are on and that we're not doing this by candlelight. 
um, and it's supporting uh, gospel workers around the world. And so as you think of ways that you might steward the gifts that God has given you financially, consider what it looks like to, to in faith give to the work of the ministry and trust that the Lord is going to use that and he's going to take care of you as best you need to be taken care of. You can trust the Lord to do that. Um, there's so much more we could talk about there. Um, Jesus, you know, talks about not, um, cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. We see that in, in Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 24. Um, yeah, so make that a regular part of your discipling relationship. I know it can be challenging, it can be difficult. Find someone you trust. If you're going to open up everything to somebody, find somebody you trust um, and ask them, hey, what are some ways that I can do this better? And then offer to help others to steward their resources as well. And the last thing we'll talk about is fasting. I know this is pretty quick, um, but one of the things that fasting does for us is it helps us to grow in our dependence upon the Lord. When we talk about fasting, most typically we're talking about fasting from food. Um, you can fast from other things as well. I have plenty of friends in my life who will do digital fasts very regularly, um, whether that's from all digital, whether it's social media or something like that. People who fast from um, watching particular things on TV or whatever that might be. But fasting from food is a great way to learn just how much uh, you value food more than other things. Um, and so, again, this is, this is meant to build in us a dependence upon the Lord. Psalm 42.1 says, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul pants for you. Um, I've never been a deer who's very thirsty, so I don't exactly understand that. But um, I was thinking about uh, a time in my life where we lived in California as a kid. I used to run around the desert and catch critters, and I remember... I remember one day leaving very early in the morning and being gone till like mid-afternoon and having had nothing to drink, and I was so absolutely parched. Um, and this, this is the same picture that the psalmist is trying to paint, that like our soul should yearn for the Lord just like that. And one of the ways that we can help build that dependence on the Lord is through fasting. Um, as it relates to discipling relationships, as you're discipling others, one of the things you can do is you can invite somebody to do a fast with you. Or if somebody is doing a fast, offer to do that with them. Check in with them, ask how they're doing. Gather together in prayer um, to help pray um, through that and help to build that, that dependence on the Lord. So again, there are certainly tons of things that we could talk about. Uh, I know the last few things were a bit quick, but I'm going to pause here and see if anybody's got any last-minute questions before we close. Um, and then we will then we'll be dismissed. Yes, sir. Do you have any like practical advice for how to incorporate into Yeah, so I don't know if I should share this. I'll share this. She'll forgive me. Um so my wife was memorizing and she, she was she was thinking like, oh gosh, when am I gonna find time to memorize this passage of scripture? So one of the things she does, she laminates she laminates the scriptures she's trying to memorize and keeps it in the shower, right? Like, I trust we all take a shower every day. Um, if, if not, or whatever, we're not going to get into that. But that's this one way you can redeem time that you were otherwise doing other things. Um, another practical way is uh, if you have a long commute, maybe listening to that passage through an audio Bible, 
and then pausing it and trying to recite that and rewind that. Rewind that. I just tell you how old I am. <laughs> Be kind. Rewind. Anyway, so um, you could you could do that. That that's another great great example. Um, doing it together as a family. Um, so if you want to challenge um, challenge your spouse, kid. I wouldn't say challenge your kids, but like encourage them to do that. Um, there's no there's no gold stars. No no charts. Um, anyway. Those are some, some few practical ways. Yeah, that's a good question. Is that a question? No, okay. All right. Seeing none, what I'm going to do is I'm going to close in prayer, and then if you have any lingering things you want to chat about, I'll stick around for a few minutes, uh, but let's pray. Father, we do thank you again just for um, just the opportunity to gather together this morning to talk about these things, these spiritual disciplines that aid us in our growth. And so, Lord, we pray that as we avail ourselves to these means of grace, that you would use them to help us to be conformed more to the image of your son, Jesus. And Father, would you give us a heart to see these kinds of things developed in others, that we would uh, disciple others and help them to follow Jesus all the more as well. And Lord, we trust that, um, as your word says, that you are working in us both to work and to will for your good pleasure. We trust that you will accomplish those things through us. Uh, through the strength that you provide. Father, we thank you for that. We pray that as we prepare to hear from your word yet again, that you would prepare our hearts to receive it, uh, that we would learn, that we would apply it. Um, And as Ezra um, said, that he studied it, did the word, um, and taught to others, would you help us to do the same? We pray in Christ's name. Amen.